Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, I encourage you to explore our previous podcast episodes. And to all our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, I'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester, each representing a unique part of our discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, share captivating stories, or offer deeper insights into topics we're exploring. In this episode, Is Home Birth Right for Me? Exploring the pros and cons of home birth versus hospital birth. At least once a week, a potential client will say, For my first, I will give birth in the hospital. I want women to explore all of their birth options. Whether you give birth in a hospital, birthing center, or home birth, the option is yours. If you're interested in a home birth, at least explore if the option is available to you. By thoroughly exploring all available options, you can eliminate any uncertainties and avoid pondering the outcomes of a home birth. First trimester. Say her name. Today, let's take a moment to honor the memory of Black women who have tragically lost their lives as a result of systemic neglect and medical racism. Startling statistics reveal that Black women face a maternal mortality rate that is three to four times higher than that of white women. And a significant portion of these fatalities can be attributed to biased practices and neglect. As we reflect on this, we turn our attention to the experience of today's mother, Nikita Washington. A Detroit grandmother has taken on the responsibility of raising her 12 grandchildren after her daughter tragically died during childbirth in December. Nikita Washington, age 35, passed away while giving birth to her son, Nathaniel, at Harper University Hospital. Patricia Pouncey, Nikita's mother, is now caring for the children and is determined to keep them together. However, she faces challenges such as the need for a larger house, a new vehicle after a crash. The family is awaiting the results of the full autopsy to understand the cause of Nikita's death. A GoFundMe account has been created to help with the burial arrangements and support the children's upbringing. Nikita's family is devastated by her untimely death, and Patricia Ponzi, the grandmother, expressed the desire to know the exact circumstances surrounding her daughter's demise. She wants answers regarding whether it was a natural death or if any medical intervention contributed to it. Detroit Medical Center offered condolences but refrained from discussing the case further to protect patient privacy. Nikita's sister, Davia Knox, shared the heartbreaking events leading to her sister's death. 
After giving birth, Nikita experienced complications and her condition deteriorated rapidly. Medical interventions, including emergency surgery, were unsuccessful and Nikita passed away. In response, the extended family, including Davia, her sister Jackie and Sharonda, and their mother Patricia immediately stepped in to care for Nikita's children. There was never any doubt that the family would keep the children together and prevent them from entering the foster care system. The father of Nikita's older children is deceased, and the father of the younger children is in jail, further emphasizing the crucial role of the family in providing stability and care for the children in the absence of their mother. We will not forget you, Nikita Washington. Second trimester. When it comes to childbirth, one of the most important decisions expectant parents must make is where to give birth. While hospitals have traditionally been the default choice, an increased number of families are considering home birth as a viable option. Home birth offers a unique and intimate experience, but it's essential to weigh the pros and cons before making a decision. We will explore the advantages and disadvantages of home birth versus hospital birth. Referencing reputable sources such as the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, the World Health Organization, WHO, and evidence-based birth. Additionally, we will delve into various certifications for midwives who play a crucial role in the home birth setting. The pros of home birth. One, it's familiar and comfortable. It's your environment. One of the primary advantages of a home birth is the ability to give birth in a familiar and comfortable setting. Being in a relaxed environment, surrounded by loved ones, can help reduce anxiety and promote a positive birthing experience. Two, personalized care and individualized attention. Home birth allows for more personalized approach to care, with midwives typically spending more time with the expectant parents and providing individualized attention. This can lead to enhanced emotional support throughout the process. Three, lower interventions and higher satisfaction rates. Research suggests that home births tend to have lower rates of interventions such as cesarean sections, episiotomies, and epidurals when compared to hospital births. Additionally, women who choose home birth often report higher levels of satisfaction with their birth experience. Four, low risk of infection. Hospitals can be breeding grounds for infections, and the risk of contracting hospital-acquired infection is eliminated in a home birth setting. The cons of home birth. One, the absence of immediate access to medical intervention is often considered a drawback of home birth. While midwives are trained to handle many complications that may arise during childbirth, Emergencies requiring specialized equipment or surgical interventions may require a transfer to a hospital. Braxton Hicks I'd like to take a second just to say that midwives are trained birth professionals. And in home birth settings, 
They are monitoring the baby with a Doppler, which is a handheld machine. And they don't wait for a complication to arise before transferring. They're very keen at observing patterns and then acknowledging if they need to transfer. So unlike, you know, an ER where you're rushing a mom into the hospital, home birth transfers 99% of the time are controlled environments. It can be the baby's heart rate is a little too high and it's staying too high. It could be the mom is exhausted and needs an IV, needs a little bit more help than what could be provided at home. Two, limited pain management options. Home birth typically offers fewer pain management options compared to hospitals, where pain relief medications such as epidurals are readily available. While natural pain management techniques can be effective for some, it is important to consider personal pain tolerance and preferences. Braxton Hicks. A hundred percent of people who decide to have a home birth understand the limited resources to pain medication and are attempting to have a birth without the need of using pain medication. There are techniques that are used in home birth, such as renting a birth pool, which is a lot deeper than your bathtub, which allows you to submerse your belly completely, which alleviates a lot of the pressure and the pain of the contractions. Three, increase risk of certain complications. While home birth is generally considered safe for low-risk pregnancies, it may carry a higher risk for certain complications, such as postpartum hemorrhage or neonatal resuscitation. A thorough assessment of risk factors by a qualified midwife is crucial in determining the sustainability of home birth. Braxton Hicks Midwives are trained in neonatal resuscitation, And they're also trained in hemorrhage prevention. And they have the tools and equipment available to them to help with both. They come with oxygen. They come with supplies. They come with things that they need in the moment for the birth. And they're also aware of what's outside of the scope of their practice and when to call for help. Four, limited access to specialized care. In the event of a medical emergency, or complications, immediate access to specialized care such as neonatal intensive care units, NICUs, or specialized obstetricians may not be available at home. This limitation should be considered, particularly for high-risk pregnancies. Braxton Hicks. It is very unlikely that midwives take high-risk pregnancies. Low-risk pregnancies, pregnancies, and births that have been normal are usually the reference for midwives. High-risk complications, such as high blood pressure, which would be considered high-risk, is not managed in a home birth environment. Unfortunately, if you are at high risk for hypertension, that would be a reason to transfer to the hospital. Certifications for midwives. Midwives play a pivotal role in home births. In all honesty, Great midwives, and they're all great midwives, people who are called to do this work, really have the heart and soul to protect the normalcy of birth. They pay such a pivotal role throughout the birthing process. 
it is essential to work with a qualified midwife who possesses the necessary certifications and training. Some of the recognized certifications include 1. Certified Professional Midwife, CPM. CPMs are educated in midwifery and meet the standards set by the North American Registry of Midwives, NARM. They are trained to provide care to healthy individuals during low-risk pregnancies and birth. 2. Certified Nurse Midwives, CNM. CNMs are registered nurses with specialized training in midwifery. They are licensed to practice in both home and hospital settings, providing care to women throughout the lifespan, including prenatal, childbirth, and postpartum care. 3. Certified Midwife, CM. Certified midwives are educated in midwifery, but do not have a nursing background. They undergo similar trainings as CNMs and provide, in, provide care in various settings, including home births. 3rd Trimester Story Time In full disclosure, I had a home birth with my son. But before I go into the details about that, I just want to explain a little bit about prior to becoming a doula, I wanted no parts of natural birth. I wanted someone to knock me out and pull the baby out of me. That was my thought. And a lot of that had to do with the fears that I heard around birth. I'd never heard a positive birth story. And even my birth story, when I asked my mother, the only thing she remembered was that she got an episiotomy. And she would say, all I remember is they cut me. Now, the one thing a woman remembers for the rest of her life is how she was treated when she was giving birth. And that trauma stuck with my mother for years. I remember my grandmother telling stories about birth that were positive. But as a teenager, I never heard one positive birth story. And my sister, who gave birth to my niece when I was 12, her stories were always like a movie. It was, she was standing on the bed, the baby flipped, she was screaming at the doctor, screaming at her partner. It was trauma. And that's what I imagined when I imagined birth from hearing all of those stories. But once I became a doula, all of that changed. I started reading more and educating myself more about the entire process. And after I attended my first birth, then I was hooked. I love the idea and the thought of having support I love supporting people through the process. So I was a doula for four years before I got pregnant. So I had a lot of experiences in and out of hospitals. And a lot of them, for me, were very traumatic. There were things I witnessed done to women's bodies without consent. And I just knew that if I gave birth, <laughs> I was going to be that crazy bitch in room 10 who doesn't want anybody to touch her, doesn't want any interventions. She wants absolutely nothing other than the doctor to just catch her baby. And that's not the way I envisioned giving birth to my child. I knew that it was special. I had done a lot of work previously and a lot of work in birth that gave me a better understanding. I saw a lot of my doula friends give birth and how they treated their children. And I was on a whole different path. And so I met my midwife before I even had any idea that I was going to get pregnant. I was not planning. I was at a wedding, a, a wedding rehearsal. No, it was 
a bridal shower. I was at a bridal shower for my doula partner and I met this midwife and we struck up a great conversation and I was like, she's going to be my midwife. I tend to do that when I meet people. I was like, oh, they do that. Okay. Let me file that in my Rolodex in my brain and I'll uh, come back to that. So I had my midwife and my pregnancy was not planned, very unexpected, but I had known about birth and I remember what it was like when my sister would tell me stories and or just the pregnancies and how she was glowing with her pregnancies. And one day I was running across the street to catch a bus and I could not catch my breath. I could not take a deep breath and it felt like something was in the pit of my stomach. It's hard to explain. And in that moment, I was like, what is this? And I said, could I be pregnant? And I went and I took a test. I had gone down to 14th Street. They had a clinic and I went and got a free pregnancy test. And when I came out, I was speaking with the technician and she told me I should go get a blood test as well, which was at the time at St. Vincent's Hospital. So she told me, um, go get blood work because the test was taking a really long time. And she said, after your blood work, come back on Friday was a Wednesday. She said, come back on Friday and I'll have the results for you. So I came back on Friday and she said, honey, before you made it halfway down the block, your pregnancy test came back positive. And I was over the moon. I remember I called my best friend and told her I was in utter shock. And then I knew, I was like, I'm going to have a home birth. I'm going to have it with a midwife. And I started making plans. I called the midwife immediately and informed her that I was pregnant. A little fun fact, in New York City, there aren't that many home birth midwives. I believe the number is 32, which is really small for New York, so they get booked very quickly. So I booked her early. It was so early that I remember when she came by for her first visit just to check, she told me that she wasn't sure if she'd be able to hear the heartbeat because it's so early. And we tried. And she heard the heartbeat. I heard the heartbeat. And I was in love. My heart dropped. I just knew. So I was planning a home birth. I had a midwife. My doula partner was going to be my doula. She had given birth in January. I was due in November. I was her doula for her birth. And I was excited to call her and let her know that she would be my doula for my birth. And then it became very real when I started informing people of my plan. I'm the first one in my family in America to give birth at home. This is not something that's normal. And it was very hard trying to explain to people my reasoning behind it. Because for most people, they feel that giving birth in a hospital is safety. And for me, I've never felt safe in a hospital. And I can trace back that feeling to being very young and my father getting sick. And outside of our bedroom, window, we could see the hospital. It was Harlem Hospital, and they would not let children into the hospital. And I was worried. Every night, I would go and stand by that window and just look and pray that my dad was okay. And he was, and he came home, and everything was fine. But that feeling had never left me. So trying to explain to my family that I was going to do something different. I'm always, I'm the youngest of three, and I'm always the child who is doing something different or out of the norm. So even though they 
knew that about me, they were still very concerned. And I had them meet my midwife. I had them meet my doula. They knew my doula. But it was still very concerning. A few weeks after I found out I was pregnant, my best friend was also pregnant. She found out she was pregnant with her third. And she was also a doula. And it was nice having that experience, going through that experience with someone who had been through it before, and also someone who was a really close friend. So we would take prenatal yoga classes together. And after each prenatal class, everyone is introducing themselves and getting to know each other. And anytime someone new was introduced, they asked, what doctor and what hospital? And I dreaded the moment they would get to me because I knew what was coming. And anytime I announced, I'm having a home birth with a midwife, it was like, the gasp and clutching pearls. That's dangerous. That's what everyone said. And I said, it isn't. And you need to inform yourself. And I found myself educating people about home birth and about midwives and about the understanding that it's safer in the hospital for some people who need to be in the hospital, but not everyone needs to be in the hospital. And then pretty shortly after that, I would say around Three weeks after, every time we got to the end of class and those discussions would start, I would leave the room and go to the bathroom and change my clothes because I just knew that I didn't want to spend my pregnancy fighting and telling everybody, convincing people that I knew what I was doing, convincing that I wasn't harming my baby and I was not harming myself and that it was not as dangerous as everyone seemed to think it was. It was wild. It was a time where I felt like I'm going through this experience. I would love to be able to speak to people outside of other doulas <laughs> who are supportive. No one ever questions. If you're in a hospital, there's no questions. But the second you do something that's out of the norm, everyone begins to question your sanity, which makes no sense to me. Because if home birth was so unsafe, why would they allow it? Because it has to be allowed. Women deserve options and choices. And hospital institutions are relatively new. They've been around 200, maybe 300 years. About maybe 200, 200 and yeah, not a long time. Prior to that, everybody gave birth at home. And everybody gave birth at home with a midwife. And it was midwives who taught doctors the practice of obstetrics. So let's go to B-Day. The day finally arrived. I was in school at the time, and I recall thinking, oh, we're at finals. I was due November 26th, and that was mid-break. And I remember I, would, I took all of my courses so that I would only have to write papers, so I would not have to do any presentations. And midway through the semester, <laughs> two of the classes I was taking required presentations. And I informed them, I'm pregnant. I'm not sure if I'm going to be available towards the end of the semester. My due date was the 26th. So that's a four-week window. Term is considered fully term at 37 weeks. And a midwife will let you go to 42 weeks. So I wasn't unsure of when, but I knew my child, my child is going to come late. And most first-time moms go late at least a week and three days to a week and five days. And so 
I remember going to Thanksgiving dinner and coming while at the end of Thanksgiving dinner, I started feeling a little uncomfortable and I kept getting up and going to the bathroom, but I didn't have to go to the bathroom. And I found it strange. I was not so much in my body. (laughs) I was in denial because this could not be labor because my child was coming late. This was two days. This was too early. I remember getting home. We had an appointment with the midwife. The midwife came over. She checked my belly. Everything was fine. They do not do internal exams unless you want them to. And I did not want an internal exam. And she told me to go about the day and ignore everything and just wait. I would know when I needed to be home and when to call them. And so I remember we went to Target and we walked around Target getting all of the last minute things that we should have gotten weeks ago. We walked around Target for six hours. And my son's father at one point asked me if I was timing contractions. And I told him that I was not. I didn't even own a watch at the time. I had stopped wearing watches for years. So he handed me his watch. And I took it and just put it in my pocket. And we kept walking around. I knew that I didn't want to time contractions every two seconds. Because when you're focusing on something, like the saying, water won't boil if you watch it. So we did that. And my contractions were pretty consistent. They were frequent enough that I knew I was having them. And a couple of them I had to stop and breathe. I could not walk through them. But it wasn't anything longer than 20, 30 seconds, which was early labor. And then we went home and I remember calling everyone and telling them I was going to sleep, my midwife and my doula, that things were happening. And I anticipated waking up in the middle of the night to call them and tell them it was time for them to come. Imagine my surprise when on day one, I woke up in the morning and the sun was up. I had no contractions at night. So I went about my day and throughout the day, I noticed I would have contractions. And so I informed everyone again, this is day two. By the end of day two, I was certain that this was it. I informed everyone again that I was going to sleep and let them know that I might be calling them in the morning or in the middle of the night. So on day three, when I woke up, I had no contractions that night. And I just knew that I was in labor because I was contracting all day. And again, I ignored it. So finally on day three, my son's father said he needed to go home. He was exhausted. He was sleeping on the sofa and he needed to rest. And I called my friend over and I had her stay with me while he went to get some rest. And as soon as he left, my labor picked up and my contractions started coming frequently. And at some point, my friend and I, we were watching movies. We did henna tattoos. I was sitting on the ball. I was walking. I was drinking. I was using the restroom. I was doing all of the things. But I didn't require any physical support at that time. I just needed someone's presence. And at some point, In the evening, she turned to me and she said, I have to work in the morning, so you have to call him to come back. And I said, really? Because after three days, I couldn't believe that this was finally it. And I was for certain. (laughs) I was for certain that it was not and that it was going to stop. But at this point, it was about 10 o'clock at night. And when my son's father returned, he was supposed to bring the bassinet 
So he forgot the bassinet, had to go back and get it and bring it back. So that delayed him coming back for about another hour. And my friend and I just managed the contractions and I got into a nice rhythm. And in that rhythm, I would have a contraction. I would either be on all fours or sit on the ball. And as soon as the contraction was over, I would just go lay down. I knew I needed to rest to save my energy because I wasn't sure how long this would last. Would it be another three days or four days? It's possible. So when my son's father returned, we had been laboring all through the night. Or rather, I had been laboring all through the night. And every time I'd have a contraction, I would get up and he would get up and he would support me through the contraction. And I remember at one point in the middle of the night, I got up and I had this sensation that I was going to throw up. And I ran to the bathroom and I threw up and I also felt bloody show. And so I took off my clothes and sure enough, there was bloody show. And bloody show usually happens after many hours of contraction. And that's when the cervix is opening up. And so I knew what was happening and I was in my body. I was in the moment. And my son's father said, I think we need to call someone. At this point, it must have been about four in the morning. And the first person we called was the doula to let her know that it would be time for her to come. And then the next person we called after that was a midwife. And she asked questions. I informed her that I had been experiencing contractions. I wasn't sure how far apart they are because I'm not timing them. I've had bloody show. I vomited. She informed my son's father to get me something to eat and that she would check back in and that my doula was on her way. And so we managed the contractions. I remember my son's father going to get me something to eat and he could find nothing. I had just moved into that apartment maybe a month ago and he came back with crackers. And I remember thinking, I don't want this. This is dry. And he was like, she said, you have to eat something. And I took one bite and it was like chewing on sand. My mouth was so dry. And I said, no, I don't want any more. And he handed me another cracker and I grabbed it and I crumbled it up. And I said, no, I'm no more. So I then went into the bedroom and I was on all fours and I was having a contraction and I felt him place his watch on my lower back because the midwife had told him to time some contractions and it fell off and he was like, oh, and I told him, don't worry about the watch. I'm having them. This is labor. We're in it. And so Shortly after that, he went into the room to blow up the pool, the living room, the pool that should have been blown up a week prior because you think you have time. And as he was doing that, I heard the buzzer and I knew it was my doula. At the time I was living in Inwood and my doula lived in Brooklyn. So it was a pretty, it was about an hour and a half ride, which most doulas and contractually give themselves two hours to get to their client. So I knew she was on her way. I was not worried she wouldn't make it. And as soon as she came in, I was vocalizing during my contractions. And she came and she placed her hand on my hip. And as soon as she did that, I felt a gush. And I said, oh, did I pee myself? And she said, no, that was your water. And I said, oh, no. And she said, no, no, it's good. It was clear. And I couldn't 
verbalized that I knew that the sensations of the contractions would feel a lot stronger and also that I needed to get off the bed because it was so painful laying on the bed having contractions. And I needed to go to the restroom, which was maybe about six feet away. But I knew that in that time I would have really strong contractions the second I stood up and gravity took hold. And that's exactly what happened. And even though I knew it, I was and I, I was not prepared. And so she leads me into the bathroom. I sit on the toilet and she goes and she was filling the tub for me to get into the tub. And I said, I don't want to get in. And she was encouraging me. And I put my foot in and I had a contraction. And this was the strongest contraction I had had thus far. And I blamed the water. I said, no, I'm not getting in there. That hurt. And she said, no, it's not the water. Trust me, get in. And I remember getting in. And as soon as I got in the water, everything relaxed. And I was able to close my eyes and rest. And I went straight into REM sleep. I had never heard anyone say that in the middle of their labor, they went to sleep. And I would have a contraction and it would wake me up. And I would look at my doula like, was I just? And she was like, yeah, everything's fine. And I was in the tub, and I don't even remember how long I was in the tub. I do know that my son's father said later that every time he came in, I was sleeping. So I was getting really good rest in between. And when I would have my contraction, I would work through it. And at one point, I felt like a thump hit my tailbone, and I jumped up. And I knew it was the baby, and I knew I was close, but I couldn't articulate it. And I looked at my doula and I said, I'm done. And she said, no, no, you can do it. Thinking I was saying, I don't want to do it anymore. And I, and I was like, no, no, I'm done. And I had a contraction and I pushed and I grunted. <clears throat> and she was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. We called the midwife and she told the midwife, Annette's pushing. She said, well, check her. Well, mind you, because this doula and I, had worked together. We had a relationship where she could have checked me if I wanted her to check me. But doulas usually do not check. And I said, no, I didn't want her to check. So the midwife told me to check myself. So I inserted a finger into my vagina and I felt the top of my baby's head. But in my mind, I thought, I'm going to take two hours to push this kid out because I've been to many births. And everybody takes a really long time to push their baby out. So we told the midwife she was on her way. I had another contraction and my doula looked at me and said, blow. And I remember just looking at her and going, my body is not made for that. I can't do it. It's like trying to slow a train, a locomotive down as it's it's rushing towards you. Imagine blowing and trying to get that to stop. And I just looked at her and I was like, no, I couldn't do it. So she called the midwife back and she said, Annette's pushing and she won't stop. And the midwife said, she's not supposed to stop. You're going to have to be prepared to deliver the baby. And my in that moment, I remember going, I guess this is what it has to be. And my doula was putting on gloves. And I'll never forget this moment her hands were shaking as she was putting on the latex gloves. So imagine you're sweaty and your hands are shaking uncontrollably as you're trying to put on latex gloves, how they were shaking. And behind her, we're standing in my bathroom. New York City bathrooms are small. 
barely fit the three of us. I was standing by the toilet. My doula was standing in front of me and my son's father was behind her. And he kept lifting his legs up to try to go around her because in his mind, he didn't need gloves to catch his baby. But that sight in that moment of my doula's hands shaking while trying to put on the gloves and my son's father's legs going up and down, I thought this is comedy and this is how birth should be written. It was wild that I had that thought, but I couldn't laugh. I was just in the moment and I had a contraction and my son's head was born. I had another contraction and his body was born. And my doula told me to get down because the cord was short. So I got on all knees. She wrapped him in a blanket and we thought we were having a girl. And I said, she's out. And my midwife said on speakerphone, is it a she? And I opened up the towel and I said, she's a he. And we all laughed. And my son's father yelled out the time, 942. And that is the story of how my son was born in the bathroom in Inwood. Our midwife missed it, but she was there on the phone. The doula caught my baby and everything was fine. And sometimes things happen at birth and people who are supposed to be there don't make it and it still works out to be okay. Labor, a little birth inspo. The attack on black motherhood is the result of a racist and sexist political economy that uses black women's reproductive capacity for profit and social control while denying them the basic human right to control their own bodies and reproductive destinies. Anonymous. Postpartum. The decision between home birth and hospital is deeply personal and should be based on individual circumstances, preferences, and medical considerations. Home birth can provide a unique and intimate experience with potential benefits such as a familiar environment, personalized care, and lower rates of interventions. However, it is crucial to consider the potential drawbacks included limiting access to medical interventions and specialized care in emergencies. Consulting with a qualified midwife and discussing your options with healthcare providers will help you make an informed decision that prioritizes the safety and well-being of both the birthing mom and the baby. Remember, the choice of birth setting should ultimately be driven by what feels right for you and your family. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing! This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.